Користуючись нагодою, ми хотіли б подякувати нашим слухачам в Україні та боротьбі, які вони щодня проходять, щоб залишитися живими. Ми і романтична правда з вами і кожен з вас у наших молитвах. Продовжуйте боротися і залишайтеся сильними. Maintenant, voici l'autre de Romantique Trousse, Josan. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth in Las Vegas. What I want to do is to acknowledge and thank those individuals, those tried and true individuals that have been with us from November 19th of 2019 until May 3rd of 2021. Now, many of you are new listeners. A lot of you are in Botswana, different parts of the world. We really appreciate your listenership, 100% no matter where you are in the world. These individuals that were with us in the beginning, from day one, what they learned a lot was um, about how relationships function and the premise of many relationships. We're going to still go on and examine some of those things and rehash some of those things for those of you who are new listeners, and this is to come in the future not something that we're going to do drastically overnight. And it's going to take some time because we had to take the show down because of certain things that just were not right. We were at that point testing the waters. Now we had a considerable listener base at that time. About We were about half of where we used to be. Now, the thing is, COVID was an impactful thing during that time because A lot of people were, you know, quarantined and pretty much stuck in their locations. So naturally, people are out doing more things. This is one of the reasons why we are doing the audio podcast as opposed to going on doing video podcasts. Because some people have asked for video podcasts. And the only problem for us is that to do so, it would mean that we would have to go get cameras and all of those other things. And right now, we're not doing that. Reason being, we want it where you can easily access the podcast and listen while you're doing other things so that we're not breaking your attention by you having to look at the screen every 15 minutes or so or every five minutes or whatever. We want it where you can listen and enjoy the content of the show. Now, as we move on, we're going to make shows better for you. We're going to expand the content. We're going to have guests. And we're going to deal with more of uh, interesting topics. It's not going to be salacious in the sense of just trying to get you here just because we're talking about sex. We're going to have some things that are associated with the quality of intimacy and relationships. That's where we're headed. Because these things are vital and they're very important. Because what happens a lot of times in relationships We lose the focus, and we only go for the sensationalization of it. Like, I'll give you an example. Our largest and best show this season was Penis Size and Vaginal... I forgot the other title of it. Uh, well, basically, it was Penis and the Vagina. People were all into it. And then, of course, the second was, was Shame, Blame, and Guilt. 
things that pertain to uh, relationships. Now, we have to understand that relationships are based on more than sex. And sex does have an integral part in a relationship. Without it, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be very difficult for you to manage that relationship. Some of you have already experienced this. Some of you have written in about being with a partner that's impotent or that has ED or some other condition due to an injury or due to medication. That's understandable. And the one thing that we have to come to realize is this. You're going to see more impotency among men and some women in the future because as these medications are developed, a lot of them will affect your neurological system. And we have to face this. Uh, some of you guys have taken glaucoma medication and realize now that you're having erectile issues. Well, in the Journal of American Medicine, you will see that this will have a devastating impact on your libido. Others of you are taking medication that has to do with depression and different things, and you're finding that you're finding difficulties in that too, depending on your body. And I always tell you to consult your doctor and find out what the side effects are. Because I'm no doctor, and I'm not going to sit here and pontificate and try to give you medical advice. That's not my expertise. But one thing that I will tell you, more so than anything, is to understand that when you deal with a person, you have to deal with the whole person and not just segments of them. Because some of you have written in, some of you ladies, especially some of you younger ladies that got with older men, and you probably started out with them at 18 and he was like 35, and now he's older in his 50s and he's having erectile issues, and now you're wondering, what the hell is going on? And you're in your 30s and you're like, why is this happening? I'm not quite understanding some of the mechanics of it. There's a good possibility, that's the security team in the background, there's a good possibility that some of you will experience this yourselves. Some of you guys, younger guys, are running into older women now who don't want to have sex as much. It pains them. They consider it now a chore. Some of them are telling you to go and find someone in your own age group. They don't want to have to deal with it anymore. Now, it varies. It could be menopause. It could be side effects from medication. It could be that they are in an emotional state that's different now than it was when they first you know, found you attractive and started dating you. doesn't mean they love you any less. It means that they are making a change in their development. And this happens among many people. So don't take it personally in that sense. They didn't deliberately go out and not want to have sex with you all of a sudden. It has to do with some of the things that have maybe impacted their lives. Now, it could very well be something that involves maybe a dispute, maybe an issue they're dealing with that they don't want to disclose to you. There was a lady that wrote in, and she was having problems on her job. She got promoted, which she was happy about, but unfortunately, it was one of those non-celebratory promotions. And what do I mean by this? Sometimes in companies, a person's promoted just for the sake of promoting that person so that they will not necessarily leave that position vacant. So you may be an acting person in that position, or it could very well be that they want you in there because you're the lesser of two evils. 
And in this case, that's what they put this lady in this position for. The only problem was the boss that she had was very demanding and very unforgiving. And what happened, it took an effect on this person's self-perception, their personality, their whole perceptive perception of themselves. And so it impacted her marriage. And what has happened now, she doesn't want to have sex with her husband. She feels less of herself. She's not making her face up as much. She's not wearing the kind of clothes that she used to wear because right now she's fighting depression. She's going to a therapist. But the problem is, it's hard for her to communicate to her husband because her husband's a motivational speaker. And so she's afraid to and embarrassed to bring this up to him because she, if she does, she feels as though he's going to think less than of her. And he's going to try to go and inundate her with all of this motivational jargon. And right now she needs a time where she needs to work on herself more so than just hear a lecture. And these are complex issues to deal with because people handle things differently. Get over it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's a good euphemism, but when we really look at the bottom line, it takes more than that. Some people don't have boots, some people don't have straps, some people don't even have the shoe to put the straps on. So we have to really think about this. And sometimes we don't because we become arrogant in our own thought process and think that everything that applies to us should apply to everyone else, and that's not the case. Everyone is different. People have voices. People have certain aspects of life that they have to contend with that we may not really be privy to. Again, because you know someone, because you're married to someone, because you date someone, does not mean you know them thoroughly. You have to remember we edit the things that we share with our partners. There are certain things that we think that are insignificant. There are other things that we think that must be shared. And there are other things that we're embarrassed about and we would never reveal to the partner. This is the way it happens. And we have to understand these things. The young man who wrote in about how he got his best friend's mother pregnant. Severed their relationship permanently. And now he's walking around 19 years of age, a father with a woman who's 45 years old. Fortunately, the woman was divorced. The son is of age and he's joined the military to get away from the whole situation. It's going to be very difficult for that mother to ever have a relationship with their son. These things will occur. Because the one thing that you have to realize, love is a powerful thing. And that emotional bond that you have with someone, you will do stupid things in the process of being in love with someone. Sometimes these things are so ridiculous, you'll look back later on and say, what the hell was I thinking? How many of you have dated people and gone through a relationship with them, in some cases married them, and then ask yourself, what the hell was I thinking? How did this happen? How did this person get this kind of clout in my life? It makes you wonder sometimes, doesn't it? Because 
a lot of times we don't really think about these things when we're in the motion of falling in love, when we are in that moment where we lower our standards compared to others that we have had standards high for. And we may adjust those standards for this individual, but not let anyone else in. Like we're putting this person in the VIP section of our lives and we're keeping everybody else out. And we're hoping that this person measures up to our aspirations. And then as they don't, we have to be mindful of how many excuses we make for them or how complicit we are in some of the things that they may present to us that may not be healthy for the relationship. This is where it can be very challenging, very difficult, because a lot of times what we'll do is we will make up excuses for that person. And what did I always say? Who gets the excuses? The person that's not the priority. So that means that we become the priority. We make up the excuses for the individual. So we want our perception of that person to work, not the reality of what they're bringing us to work. And that's where we run into danger in relationships. Because we may think that the relationship is going great, but not looking at the fact that if someone else looked at it objectively, they'll say, wait a minute, you're being used. You're going too far. You're doing too much. But we don't think of it that way. Because at that point, we're in love and we become very defensive. How dare you talk about my relationship? You don't know what's going on. You don't know what I'm doing. Even though you're the person that are paying the bills. Even though you're the person that's carrying the relationship emotionally. That person really doesn't care so much about you. And you're trying to make them care. So you take on the part that they are lacking. And then before you know it, you've burned yourself out. And then you start to look at yourself and you say, I don't know who the hell I am now. I've gone so far trying to, re trying to resolve issues and save this person to save this relationship that I forgot where I started from. And when you're at this point, you really start losing respect for yourself. You start thinking critically about, I'm such an idiot. I'm such a fool. And you start tearing yourself down. Now, if this person is agreeing with you, you have a bigger problem. Because then they're the people that are going to say, well, I didn't tell you to do all this. I didn't make you do all this. You chose to do all of this. Because what they've done, while you've been trying to pull them closer to you, they've been pushing themselves farther away. So that you can fall on your face. And this is what you have to watch when you fall in love. Because a lot of times you will do more than that's warranted for that person's interest. And that person may not be interested in you as you are in them. So you have to remember, when it comes down to it, it comes down to a situation where you have to measure the level of interest in both of you, in each other. Sometimes you may want something, but it may not want you back, and you may want it so badly that you're willing to go through doing all kinds of things for that person. Think about the woman who years ago won the lottery, $80 million. And what did she do? Spent $9 million of it to get this guy out of jail. $9 million. 
Now let's think about it. How many people, how many ladies would have $80 million and be willing to spend $9 million on one man? Not too many. They would look at it and say, well, I can find somebody else that doesn't have a criminal record that I want to pay that, pay that $9 million on, no matter how handsome he is, no matter how many kids we have together, no matter what, he's not worth the effort. But see, she loved him. And so that meant that at any cost, she would rather have it. But this was $9 million that didn't go to him. This was $9 million that went to the judicial system. People will go to court over divorces and they will take them back to court to child support and everything else. Look at Gilbert Arenas. His baby's mother took him back to court 52 times. All of that money spent on who? Lawyers and the judicial system. Not to mention, he had to pay for her attorney every time he took her to court, every time she took him to court, and every time he had to pay his attorney. Money that could have been used for the children. Money that could have possibly been used on the baby's mother as well. Sometimes your emotions get in the way of logic and it puts you in a bad situation. One of the hardest things to decipher when you're in a relationship with a person is how to love them. A lot of times they will show you, they will tell you, they will allow you to go and be creative and kind of give them a prelude as to what you have to offer. But it's very difficult to read minds, of course. So you can only go by what they establish for you. Now, as we know, women are the ones who set the pace in relationships. Let's look at the initial stages of this. Break it down. Within 30 seconds, the woman knows whether or not she's interested in even talking to you. She's giving you the visual. Women are very visual on things. As men, we always think that we're the visual ones, but women are. They're very observant. They look at attention to detail. They look at things such as they can tell you when a woman walks in, that person can go with that sh those shoes. She knows right off the bat. She'll say it. She's done with it. And as far as she's concerned, that woman has a horrible taste in fashion. With men, they do the same thing. Now, if she's allowing you to approach her, fellas, what she's doing is saying, okay, well, he seems to be pretty decent. I wonder what he's going to deliver. Now, what she's expecting is an, an um, conversation that's going to be intellectually stimulating. She's looking for something that's going to really engage her, entertain her, inform her, and yet be something that's going to establish where you're coming from. That's what she's looking for. She's looking for consistency, mainly, and also honesty. Women are very big on honesty. As you know, as men, honesty is something that's considered, but it's nothing we take seriously. The reason being 
is because we run across many women who ask for that but can't deliver it. But let's go on. When we get involved with a woman, she's looking at consistency in the standpoint of, I want to make sure everything you say measures up. Now, if you say something that's not true and she can Google it and find out that it's a falsehood, you've ruined your credibility. You're done. Don't try to go and correct it. Don't try to talk to her. Don't try to overtalk. Don't try to lie. Don't try to tell what you believe. At that point, she's insulted. Don't do that. Women have told me over and over again about this particular flaw that men have. They'll come in there with something, conspiracy theory or whatever. You've just blown it. There's nothing else you can do. You will never get to engaging with her emotions. She's done with you. See, what she's looking for is someone who's engaging intellectually. And then she's going to see about an emotional connection. You know that word chemistry we talk about? That comes in the secondary rung of things. And if she doesn't see the two of you together, she doesn't envision it, she doesn't see an emotional affair taking place, she cannot envision herself with you, it's a done deal. There's nothing you can do, fellas. She's done with you. Don't try to wear her down. Don't try to emotionally shame her or anything like that. She's done with you. And that's what you have to realize. Now, I always tell you about body language. If her arms are still folded and her legs are still crossed, she's not comfortable with you in her space. She's not telling you this. She's showing you this. Once she's more relaxed, oh, she's engaging. She's cracking jokes with you. She's enjoying your sense of humor. She's interacting with you. And at this point, she's okay with revealing some things about herself. Not things that will compromise her, but things that will more or less make her identify better with you. What she's looking for then is a bond where you guys can have some sort of chemistry. See, when things are going well, oh, she's going to let her hair down to a certain point. And she might tell you, yeah, I can't eat garlic because I'll fart or something like that. When she's at that level of the conversation, she's really comfortable with you. At that point, she's being herself. She's like, thank God I could be myself now. Mentally, she's taking off the high heels so she can rest her feet. I will tell you this. There have been times where I've met women and didn't know them from a can of paint, sat down, we chatted, we got along very well. And the conversation went so well that I would pick up on certain cues because I remember one time in particular, this lady was sitting there, she had a pantsuit on, it was very, very nice. And she says, please forgive me, my shoes are killing me. And she took off her heels. And so to make her feel a little bit comfortable because we were in a booth, I said, why don't you put your feet up here and let me massage you? And she said, oh, no, 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 no. I have ugly feet. I said, no, no, no. Go ahead and do it. And so she did. And her feet were gorgeous. And then when I started massaging her feet, she cracked me up. She says, now, you keep this up, something might happen, and I don't want it to happen. And she started laughing. 
But what we started doing then was interacting with each other on a level where I knew that if she allowed me to start doing that, then there was a good possibility she liked me. But fellas, I always tell you, let her touch you first. Don't go in there and try to put the arm around the around the neck thing and that kind of thing. Let her touch you first. And usually women, when they like you, they're going to touch you softly. Like they'll put their hand on your arm and say, you know, let me tell you this or hold your hand or something like that. When she starts doing that, what she's saying is, hey, guess what? I'm comfortable with you. I could be myself. And this is where women would love to go with a man. But a lot of you guys make it difficult for yourself by going too soon. Let her set the pace. Because see, as long as she feels comfortable, she's already measuring, okay, this is what's going to happen at this point, this is what's going to happen at that point. She's already decided on how things are going to go. You could meet a woman just like I did this lady on a chance meeting. And some of the things I found out in that one-hour conversation with her, she was divorced, she had three kids, she was independent, she had been divorced for five years, she had no intentions of getting married again, she had an opinion about men that was very negative based on her past marriage. And in a way, she was a little bit resentful because she had missed out on time being involved in a bad marriage. But one thing she wasn't was bitter. Because she said, you know, after my divorce, I had time to really work on myself and find out who I was. She was a very wise woman. And she cracked me up because as I kept massaging her feet, she says, you need to stop because what's getting ready to happen is I'm going to get wet and there's going to be a problem. And so I went on and honored her wishes and stopped. And she said, you know, you really didn't have to, but she was just joking. And she said, thank you. That made my feet feel so good. And so as we continued our conversation, she started asking me about my life, marriage and all the rest. I told her. And at this point, she said, hmm, we have a lot of similarities. I said, yes, we do. And she says, hmm, could your wife cook? I said, yes, she could cook. She says, I'm going to make you a bet. I said, what's that? I'm going to cook you something better than she did. And I said, really? She says, yes. She says, I'm going to invite you over for dinner one evening. And we're going to have a contest to see whether or not I did it better than she Now, what she was trying to do at this point was to insert herself in my life in a way that it would be memorable. And it worked. The woman could cook her ass off, let me tell you. And the thing was, by doing this, she positioned herself in a way that made me admire and respect her. And also, she showed confidence She didn't have to say she was a strong woman. She didn't have to say she was a queen. None of that. The way she positioned herself right there was to put me in a place where, okay, I'm going to hold you to that. The interesting thing was, 
as we kept on speaking, I was expecting her, you know, to invite me over for dinner to her place. She had children. She wasn't going to do that. What she asked me for was where I worked, what my lunch hour was. What this lady did, she brought me lunch. And when I say brought lunch, I'm talking the bells and whistles, steak, potatoes, asparagus, cornbread, pecan pie. She cooked all of this herself. Baked beans. I was stuffed and she brought all China. And here's what she did as a make good. After she dropped it off, she said, I hope you enjoy your lunch. And she says, by the way, I'll be by after work to pick up my dishes. And she says, maybe we can have a cocktail at my house. I said, okay, that's cool. What she had done during that time, she had planned everything out. Her mother and father were going to take care of the kids that night. And she invited me over. So I never got a chance to meet her children initially because she had respect for them. I go over. She has wine. She had beer. And we sat down. We talked a lot more. At this point, I could see that the relationship was evolving. That's when she started asking more serious questions. So... Tell me more about yourself. What are your future plans? Remember I told you about the four questions, folks? Who are you? Your purpose? Strengths and weaknesses? Your intentions? She hit me with that one first. And I told her what I planned on doing. And she says, well, how how would a woman with three children fit into that category? And then I explained to her. And she was like, hmm. Okay. She says, so what kind of person would you say that other people perceive you as? Your friends, your family. Now she's asking all these probing questions. As she's doing this, she's getting closer and closer to me. She's putting her arms around my neck as she's asking these questions while she's sipping wine. As she tells me, she says, so tell me some of the things you're afraid of. Now, as she's doing this, she's taking a sip of wine. And she's leaning forward. And she goes to kiss me. And when she kisses me, she opens her my mouth up with her tongue. And she's squirting the wine from her mouth into mine. And she said, well, I wanted you to share that. Now, as she's asking these questions, we're getting closer and closer, and finally she put the wine glass down, caressed my face, and we started kissing. At this point, I realized that, hey, you know what? She's in it. She's serious. She's in it for the long haul. And then after she gave me the kiss, she says, I'm looking for exclusivity. Meaning that she wanted to take me off the dating market. And it fell in line with the one thing that a lady told me years ago. There was a psychologist. I'm a psychiatrist. And I told you this. 
she told me that a lot of women, and unfortunately a lot of African-American women, will say commitment. She said exclusivity. And this was an African-American woman that told me this on this date. And when she said that, it was like, it seemed more pleasurable than commitment. Commitment sounded, again, like something that was a contract. Something you had to do. Exclusivity meant that I was behind a velvet rope in VIP. And with that, we had a pretty good relationship for about 18 months. And then she got promoted. And she had to go to New Haven, Connecticut. And wanted me to relocate. And had made all kinds of plans. Bought this big house. And she says, well, you know, if you want your study, I got that. And I'm like, that's all well and good, dear, but uh, I, I can't do cold weather. I'm staying in California. She was heartbroken. We traveled and saw each other for a while. And then we eventually broke it off. But it was never an adversarial type of situation. We got along very well. But it all began at a mixer that we went to. A business mixer. Where you go and you network, exchange business cards and that kind of thing. And this is where sometimes relationships begin. And of course, this was before internet, texting, and all the rest of that. But it was the human interaction that we had to go by in order to make that happen. Now, you could just text someone, and some of you have written in because you've had relationships where you never met the person, and you dated for four years, and then you break up. But how is that a relationship when you were never with that person? You were just texting the whole time sending pictures and video chatting and talking on the phone but never meeting. You wind up playing with yourself. Is that really a relationship? Or is that a fantasy? More in a moment. Let's talk about scripted love and responses. What is that? Remember uh, on yesterday I talked about narcissists when it comes down to relationships and how sometimes they want to script everything that should be said in order for them to feel as though they've gotten their message across. Well, people do this when they initially meet people on a date. They want to let them know that, hey, it's my way or the highway. Now, there's only a couple of things that goes wrong with this idea. One, you're going to wind up being by yourself most often. And two, you're going to find two types of people that will be willing to sign up for this. That's going to be the person with low self-esteem that needs to be led. Or that person who's going to challenge you and try to get everything that you said overturned. 
you usually attract those two kind of people. And the problem with that is when you attract these kinds of people, what you're doing is you're making it harder on yourself. Even though you are reaffirming your autonomy, what you're also doing is isolating yourself and resigning yourself to these two types of personality. And what happens with the first one? The passive, the permissive type. They're going to let you do anything you want. And they're just going to be a yes person. A lot of you women that talk about how strong you are and how you're a queen and how you're domineering, what do you wind up with? Simple, impotent male prototypes. Simps. Do you respect those men? No, you don't. The reason reason being, they will do anything you say you want done because they're used to being told what to do by a dominant mother. So when they get with you, you get kind of frustrated because he's not masculine enough. He's not taking charge of things. You're making all the decisions. He's like a child. And of course, you emasculate him. And then you have a lower opinion of men based on your experience of attracting these kind of guys. He's moving into your place. He's taking care of your children while you're at work. He's that other kid that you have. And then you have to shore him up. And while he's around your friends and family and try to make him out of some kind of man so that you can respect him and the parents can respect him at least at that time when you're around them. Under normal circumstances, he's a kid. But you're trying to do this to not make yourself feel embarrassed. And you get frustrated when you say if he was any kind of a man, you would do this. Or a real man does this. And what that does, of course, is smacks at his self-esteem. And of course, he may have an identity crisis. He may not have been around men growing up, so he really didn't know how to be a man. So now he's just going to go and assert some sort of uh, persona from some stereotype from a movie. A gangster. Somebody who's trying to be tough. And it becomes very difficult for that woman to respect him. And sometimes they'll think, well, maybe if we had a baby, things will change. And they won't. He won't be more responsible with the kid as he was without one. It's not going to happen. Because it's not in him. He doesn't know how to do it. Mommy has coddled him when he was growing up. Big sister ironed his clothes and prepared his meals. He never had to be responsible for himself. And so you're wondering, how did I get into this mess? He's not a man. He's a boy. And you start to lose respect for him. And then you're looking for a real man. And you get rid of him and you try to find one. But the problem that you run into, don't forget, you still got that disposition where you want to have their autonomy and you want to be in control. But you know if you got with a real man, 
you'd have to share that. And that may not be what you want to do. So you go on and you stay with this mediocre relationship. Try to make the best of it. And occasionally, you might decide you want to cheat on him and get with a real man. And just have him around, even though you know good and well. You can't handle a relationship with him. Because that means that you would have to be responsible. That means that you would have to change your way of living in order to coexist with him. And you kind of like the way things are with this dude, even though you don't really respect the dude that you're with. You do like the fact that you can rule the roost. You like the fact that you could delegate responsibility onto him like a child through parentification. In other words, what parents would do with children where they would give them duties instead of chores. There's a distinction. Well, he would be responsible for certain things in the house. Because after a while, you get tired of pulling the weight and you start delegating that responsibility on him. Now, unfortunately for some guys, they will think that since she's delegating this responsibility on me, now I have a say in things. Uh, Not really. Because after all, she's trying to form you into a man. And at this point, you still have training wheels on your manhood. And she knows she can pull the rug from under your feet at any time and kick your ass out and you're back at your mama's house. She knows she has that ability. That clout. Now, when it comes down to a situation where she's dealing with the guy that's going to try to challenge her, that's a different type of scenario there. He's going to be patronizing just like the simp. He's going to go through all the steps, the hoops and ladders, just like the simp. The only difference is he's going to always have his own options. You're not going to be the only game in town. See, with the simp, you will be. With this guy, it's not going to be the case. His goal is never to appease you to a point where you're comfortable enough to think that you could treat him like the simp. No. He's putting it there from the standpoint that he wants to make you out of a hypocrite. He wants to make you go against everything you said. He wants to break you down. Now, this means that you're going to be out of your comfort zone a lot with this guy. Because he's not going to put up with half the shit that you're going to put out on the simp. And here's the thing. Once he's proven his point. Now there's some guys. They just do this to prove a point. Just like some women do with men. They will go for you. Just to prove a point. After they've proven that point. They walk away. And this is one of the things. With these guys they will do. Talking about. I'm not going to be able to sleep with you. In six months. Girl you crazy. And he up there putting his clothes on. Throwing the condom in the trash. Getting ready to leave. And he's like, mission accomplished. He's out the door. And usually, ladies, the women that wind up like this are women who set their standards entirely too high. 
and they feel as though I'm going to let him in, but I'm going to treat him just like I would a simp. That's where you mess up. These guys are more sophisticated than that, and they already know the game. They're not going to sit around and wait and being told what to do. These are the men that are not going to sit up there and tell you I'm a grown-ass man. A simp would. I'm a grown-ass man. And then what would you say? And? You still in a situation where you're sleeping in my bed, eating my food, playing with my children, driving my car. So he just says something just to be sane. Where the other guy, who doesn't have to say that, can show you better than he can tell you. (laughs) By leaving. Because the one thing that he has that the simp doesn't have is confidence and direction. So, knowing this, this is the reason why a lot of these ladies who wind up with a guy like this that I'm talking about, they wind up lowering their standards a bit in order to accommodate him. Now, depending on him, if he's somewhat considerate and he sees through the facade he's going to say okay look you don't have to do all that we can work together and we can work on this and we could probably make something out of this relationship but if she's going to cling to that facade no no uh uh-uh. I'm telling you every time he's going to wind up leaving you because see he knows emotional abandonment is one thing that you won't want to deal with. You would never have to worry about that with the simp. The simp's going to be there. If anything, he's going to smother you. The dude who has the leverage and he knows, yeah, you want a man in your life, but the thing is you want to control that man, but that's not going to happen with me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hedge my bets on another woman over you. She may not be so willing to go for that if she likes this guy, if she's really into him. And she's willing to capitulate. Now, a lot of times they probably won't. Well, you're going to take your ass home. And these are the women that miss out on good men a lot of times. Men that will challenge. And so they'll go and they'll deal with um, simple until they get tired of him. They let him go. And then they'll be the first one to tell their girlfriends there are no good men out there. And the reason why you're saying that is because they won't comport themselves to all of your requirements. Because you don't believe in compromise. You believe in conformity. That's why these women rarely find decent men out on their dating scene. And they will wind up going in that circular firing squad well into their 60s. And these are the women that most commonly wind up dying alone. And it's sad. Now, there's another type of lady out there. And this lady is a carefree spirit. We don't talk about her much. She's the woman that's willing and open to see how a relationship will develop. She has no expectations set. 
at least in the initial stages. She's making an assessment as this guy's talking to her as to whether or not she's going to actually look at pursuing a relationship with him. This is pretty much where the lady I had met that day that I described earlier was. Believe it or not, this is a healthier place to be, ladies. In the sense that you're flexible, you're listening, you're trying to decipher, and you have a total say and choice in the situation you're going to be dealing with. See, the thing is, when you have too much control in a relationship, you then start looking for structure in it. As men, what we do is we look for structure when we're putting a relationship together with a woman. We want to structure it. We want to have responsibilities. We want to have commitment. We want to have integrity. These are things we look for. We have to have these foundations so that we can ultimately trust you. That's a big thing to men, is trust. Everything else is irrelevant. As long as we can trust you, you're good with us. You have integrity and we can trust you. That's what we look for. So, you're that lady that's an open spirit, free spirit, and you find this guy, you kind of like him, and what you're looking for to see whether or not he's structured his life. If he hasn't, you know you're taking a risk if you get with a guy that's a musician at 45 years old talking about being a rapper, right? But you're only going to do that when you can afford to lose in that particular enterprise. Most women are not willing to take that risk. Unless they've already been established. So they're not going to depend on him financially. And they'll be looking more of an emotional connection with him. That's different. But if it's a situation where, hey, if we're together, we're going to split the bills, we're going to do all these things. You may not be the dude that I need because you're not going to be able to come up with your end of the bargain. Saying that you're not getting paid until you do another gig is not the answer to the problems that are going on in the household. So, he may be charming and entertaining, but he's not somebody you're going to bet the farm on. However, you're not negative. You can still have him as a friend, but you're still going on to find someone that's a little bit more worthy of your talents and time. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, a lot of women will say, oh, you know, that, that woman, is she's too picky. No, she's being selective. There's a difference uh, from being selective than picky. When you're picky, you already have this disposition that you're better than. And so the ones that you're picking are the men that you really like, but you like them in the context of them being in a certain place in your life that you can control. And that's the difference. When you select a man, you're looking for someone you work with. When you pick a man, you're usually looking for somebody you can control. And that's the distinction. These are the women that will say, there are no good men out there because she couldn't find, she couldn't pick a man or choose a man that she could control that she could run. 
Now, when it comes down to a woman who selects a man, it's a different type of vibe. She's looking for someone she can get along with. Someone she could work with that would listen to her and she would listen to them. Someone that could have a wonderful time together and go on a picnic or something like that and enjoy the simple things. And also, look at every time that they're together. It's an experience in their life that's propelling them forward in the relationship. The woman who's picking a guy, what she's looking for are opportunities to propel herself herself forward and not the relationship. It's just like men who do this. Oh, I need a girl that's going to make me look good. Somebody that's going to be a good arm candy. And then what happens? They decide to have a child. Wife goes to the gym. She's working her ass off. Trying to lose that weight so she can stay in competition with the rest of the women. Because she doesn't really feel secure that even at the baby weight that she gained, that her man is fully committed to her. That he may wander. Ladies, I tell you all the time, if a guy tells you straight up that you're fat when you're not, what he's doing at that point, he's creating an incentive for you to keep you busy. You're working on your weight, trying to keep yourself fit. Meanwhile, he's creating justification so that if he does decide to stray he can always bring it back to that he's planting the seed early see a woman that takes it on her own initiative and say hey I gotta do this for me and my health that's a whole different animal because at that point you're doing it for you not a problem that when you start doing it for a man whoop you got a problem there's some insecurity there I gotta do this to keep him But did you have to do all that shit to get him? See, the only thing you have to remember is whatever you did to get a man, do the same thing to keep him. Same thing with you guys. Except for one thing, fellas. As men, we're prone to lie to women about our income, about our status. We need to cut that shit out. Because I'm telling you, once a woman finds out you lied to her, especially about something that pertains to the future, she looks at, that'll be a waste of my time. And the reason why it's so important to women, especially if they're younger, is because during their 20s, that's the most marketable time in their lives. They have the prime time for any man to come along. The last thing they want to do is waste years in their 20s with a man or in a relationship that ain't about shit. Ask some of these single mothers who wound up throwing away their youthful years, being a mother, dating a guy that wasn't about shit, and then they're in their 30s now trying to find someone decent. When they could have had a better choice in men had they made a better choice in a man that they wound up procreating with. A lot of them have been like that. You write in about this. So it's no secret. It's 
It's no secret at all. And out of Sioux Falls, Minnesota, writes the following. I mean, Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, writes the following. I can't believe what I've allowed myself to become. I'm 42 now. And if I had to do the last 20 years over again, the last thing I would have done was to have gotten pregnant and dated a guy that didn't really give a shit about me or the children. I was naive. I thought that the only thing I had to do was have kids with this man and he would become more responsible and more loving. The only thing that happened out of this was I had two children that I had to take care of by myself, plus take care of him. He decided to quit his job and he thought that he could just be a stay-at-home dad. He had been watching too much TV. Fortunately for me, I worked at a bank, so I was making enough money to cover our cost and overhead. But it got to a point where I became very resentful, taking care of a grown-ass man that was sitting in my house doing nothing for years. He never lifted a finger, never asked me if I could help with the bills or anything of that sort. Occasionally, he'd take out the trash, maybe clean up a little bit, but nothing else. I had to take care of the children. Many times I would come home. The kids hadn't been picked up from the center. I would have to go out and pick them up from the center. There were times when he didn't pick them up from school. I would have to do that as well. And I asked myself, why did I waste the prime years of my life with this man? I'm still kicking myself over this. I know you may be against this, Jocelyn, but there's something that I have to express to you. In so many ways, I wish I could recapture those years I've lost. My daughters are grown and gone now, doing their own thing. And I'm sitting here thinking, I want a change in my life. But I don't want to date an old man while we're sitting around, riding around in a golf cart. I want something that's more vibrant and lively. Now, true enough, I realize I can't relive my 20s. But I would like a man that was vibrant and that still has that air and that ring of that era. Am I wrong for thinking this way? No, you're not, ma'am. And I will tell you this, folks. I've gotten many emails like this from women resenting the fact that the years that they had spent in bad relationships have cost them. The opportunity cost. See, in investments, you have a thing called opportunity cost. The opportunity you missed out on because you're in something else, while something else really hit off and made money. Usually, first movers are very good at managing opportunity costs because they get on it, make their profits, sell, and they're out. They don't hold on to stock for 20 years. They make their money at that opportunity, and when they make that money, they put that money away in the coffers, and they put less money in the market than they've saved so that they can mitigate the risk. Folks, what it comes down to, plain and simple, you have to measure whether or not you can afford to forfeit those precious years of your life. That's the reason why most people will actually wait until 35 or older to get married. 
because they want to enjoy their lives, work on their careers, work on their education, and make sure that they're at a point where they can make the best choice, a better choice in a partner. Well, when you have your career, job, and all that stuff settled, and you have money in the bank, and you have your own place, you can make a better decision because you don't really need that other person in your life. So you're not making a choice based on any kind of crisis. Some of you wrote me during COVID when you were having problems because you got laid off your job and you had to find a roommate. And a lot of you wound up going on dating sites, getting partners. And these partners eventually not only became your roommate, but they became your lover. And then you found out that you couldn't get along. And so the person left after a couple of months and you were still stuck looking for another roommate to help you pay the other portion of the rent. You're living in crisis mode at that point. As opposed to taking your time living within or below your means and pacing yourself. And one thing I would always suggest Keep your mind off of whatever anybody else is doing. To hell with the Joneses. The Joneses are not telling you what's going on at their house. Concentrate on your own. More in a moment. Let's talk about the miscommunications when it comes down to people first getting together. Many times when this happens, you're still trying to fill each other out. And sometimes you could be so nervous that you judge the person on a misstep. Take for instance, they may say the wrong thing. They may say something they didn't intend to say or it may come out a different way. One thing to always do is to allow them a little time to clarify. What did you mean by that? Could you please expound on what you described to me or what you told me so that they can best represent themselves? Now, here's the thing. If they double down on something that's offensive and they're laughing about it, joking about it, it's not funny. At this point, you're being offended, and this individual takes pride in that. You'll find some individuals that will do that just to get even. They may be fighting a battle in the past. The biggest challenge that you have dealing with a relationship is actually dealing with someone who's still grappling with issues in their past. Now, in most cases, People will put that to the side. Others, they can't let go. They have to keep it. And in some cases, it becomes a grudge. Now, a grudge, of course, is the wish or the desire for ill will on a person based on a perceived wrong or mistreatment or injury. So these people will go and keep this grudge and expect to 
help someone to come into their lives and in some cases assume the grudge with them. That's not your job. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes people will get relationships or get into them just so that they can have someone that agrees with them. They might have burned all their bridges with their friends, even with family members, and now you're the last hope for them. If they lose you, they have to go out and find someone else. Because they have gone through so many people that their credibility is now shot, their reputation shot. They're not viewed upon as someone that is reliable, presentable, or someone that they can really trust. This <laughs> excuse me. This happens a lot. Now on occasion you may run across someone like this. And you might want to change the subject or the conversation. Usually these people that are so fixated on grudges will bring the conversation back to that. Now, another thing to keep in mind too, when you're communicating with your partner, if there's a subject that is brought up or a topic that that individual may interject into the conversation and it's inappropriate, you may try to change that subject. It's best not to be condescending. Some of you will use that technique and it's not a good thing because then that escalates. It's always best to go and change the subject matter, but you can do it in an appropriate way. Oh, well, yes, uh, but you know, I don't really have an interest in that. Let's talk more about you. That's a good transition as opposed to Oh, I don't care about that. I don't want to hear about that. When you do that, that marginalizes that person. And as far as they see it, well, hell, everything that I tell this person is irrelevant, so let me shut down. This is the worst thing you can have happen in a relationship, whether it's starting or whether you're in one. When that partner shuts down, they're already thinking about what they would like to do. I remember one time in particular, I was dating a lady back in high school, and we were talking about the subject of getting together for a relationship. She was interested in me, I was interested in her, and then we talked about being an interracial couple. Well, she knew that her parents would never approve of me. And she said, let's not talk about that right now. Okay, so we didn't. We deflected, talked about other things that were immaterial. But I knew that that was going to be a problem, but I didn't bring it up again. The next day she comes in, she says, um, I think we'll be better off as distant friends. And I knew what had happened. She had really reassessed the situation, probably talked to her parents about it. I doubt if she did, but for whatever reason, she wanted to kill it off. And so I said, okay, I didn't ask any questions. 
And of course she was curious about that. Well, aren't you going to ask why? I said, no, I, I know why. And she, of course, wanted to tell me, tell, want me to tell her why, and I refused to. It was only obvious. Certain subjects you don't have, people don't have a stomach for it. Certain issues. Now, a lot of people would have said, well, you shouldn't have mentioned anything about the challenges in an interracial relationship. Well, it was going to come out sooner or later that we would be together and we'd be seen together and our families were definitely going to find out about it. So, why hide the truth? The problem for some people is that they're afraid to do just that communicate the truth to their partner about various other things I dated a lady one time and this is no exaggeration or joke don't you know this woman told me well I'm glad I told the things to you that I needed to but there's some other things I need to tell you and I knew if I didn't tell you if I told you everything up front you would not have dated me That's a hell of a thing to get from a person that you've been going out with for about six weeks. And so what's the revelation that she had kept from me? The revelation was she'd had two kids and they were taken away by CPS. She told me she had no children in the beginning. But that's what she had to tell me. Remember I told you about that X factor in a relationship? That's what it was. Now, I ended that relationship. And she was very upset with me because I did it. You're just like the rest of the men. I got cursed out. I got called all kind of names. And I said no, because you lied through omission. You had two children. And you went and told me in the beginning that you had none only for me to find out that you had to this is the reason why I didn't tell you I said and that's the reason why you don't have a relationship see people think that they can deceive you to a certain point and then they can reveal the truth after they feel comfortable that they have you in their coffers they feel as though well you know this person has put this much time into me now I can go and let my hair down and tell the truth this is a big mistake because see someone that's going to hold you to a standard the standard doesn't go away it stays there you haven't made it far enough yet in the relationship where that person can trust you and of course that impugned your integrity just like it did this lady when she came out with that latent revelation. Something she could have done early on in the relationship where the person would have had a choice. Folks, what you have to understand with this is that people will do this. And here's what I say to you. If it's something against your standards that that person's holding out on and they choose to wait until after you got involved with them in a relationship, drop the relationship at that point. 
believe you me, there are other things that will come up in that relationship that that person will conceal from you and not tell you until later. A lot of times these people have worked on this in other relationships and got found out and got left just like they're being left now. So in most cases, there's nothing new to them. And you'll hear the revelation when they say, oh, you're just like the rest of them. So they're finding fault in you, holding them accountable. And so that's the reason why they feel as though there's something wrong with everybody else. Nothing is wrong with me. But like I said, a lot of people expect you to accept them at face value. They expect you to accept everything that they have associated with them at that point. And the rationale for this is, I deserve what I want. That person doesn't need to know. It's a selfish motivation. It's the equivalent of people who will go and lie and say that they have a clean criminal record and they'll be a felon and they plan on just working there for a few months until the background check clears and they find out that this person is a felon and they lied on the application and now they have to be let go. What it comes down to is telling the truth up front and clearing up as much of the mess as you can before you get involved in a relationship. And a lot of people don't like doing that. A lot of you ladies still have legal things pending. Divorces, child custody battles, lawsuits. And yet you don't mention those things. And it's none of the person's business, as you would say. But after you get involved in a relationship, then they want you to become a participant in whatever effort you're trying to convey. Now, I'll give you an example. There was a friend of mine years ago who married a woman. They had dated for about two years. Popped the question, no problem. They went on and got married. What he didn't understand when he married this woman and what he didn't know was that she and her ex-husband had a company And this company went bankrupt. And there were a lot of lawsuits that were being lodged. The investors had been duped. And so she had a case pending against her. She was included in several lawsuits. She never told him this. He found out. It was about two weeks after they married. She had to go to court. She drug him along with her. And that's when he found out what was actually going on in her life. Before then, she had sold him the goods that it was a situation where she was suing someone else. And he bought it. Only to find out she was the one being sued. Along with the ex-husband. Well, she had to pay a substantial amount of money, which she did have, which depleted her resources. So that meant the wedding they had planned 
had to go out the window. They got married at the Justice of the Peace. They were planning on having a huge wedding afterwards, where they could invite family and friends. That never came to fruition. From that point forward, their relationship was very adversarial. He couldn't trust her. And after a while, he gave up on even being around her. And eventually, he divorced. She got upset with him because he wouldn't help her with some of the liabilities she had stemming from that situation. But she had told him a lot of things that were not true. And she omitted a lot of things that never came forward. Now, a lot of people will say they can detect deception and lies. That's full of shit. They can't. You got to remember, a lot of these people are professionals at what they do because they've been in multiple relationships where things like these have taken place. So they already know how to conceal their weaknesses. You're an amateur. You're coming in. They have more experience at hiding than you have at finding them. And that's what you have to come to grips with. The only thing you can go by are the red flags. And that's what you really have to look at. I'm very suspicious when a woman tells me a guy has to have a 700 or better credit score. That's a red flag. I remember one time in particular, a lady was telling me about her credit score and it was 800 supposedly. And I said, oh, you got it from Equifax or you get it from TransUnion? She said, no, I got it from Credit Karma. I said, you know, that's not your real credit score. I said, you know, you might want to pull it from the credit bureaus. But she was trying to be very impressive. There was a different number. And it was less than 700. And after she found out She was like a deflated balloon because she had prided herself on that. And what I explained to her was, you may want to examine your credit reports from those different agencies. See what's not supposed to be on there that may be weighing your credit down. And she went through there and she found a couple of items, but it didn't change her score too much. She was in the 600s but she was really blown away. I was really sad. But see, what had happened, there were certain things that one credit agency, TransUnion, of course, still had on her credit report that the other two didn't have. And she tried getting it off, and I told her, what you're going to have to do is probably correspond with TransUnion. They very seldom take calls, and 
setting up a meeting with them is not the easiest thing in the world, but they will do it at some point, but you got to be persistent. But correspondence is the key. Had to deal with those guys back in the day myself. So the key is, folks, honesty, being upfront, being transparent. Now, I'm not saying that you got to open up the portfolio of your life and share every little detail with that person. Only the things that are going to impact the relationship immediately. Things that would involve this person in some capacity where they may have to help you or where they may be subjected to something that could impact them and impact their resources and livelihood. Another thing, you ladies with these derelict boyfriends, these ex-boyfriends that were angry or still bitter. If this guy still poses a threat to you, I think you need to take care of that first through the legal system before you start dating. The worst thing in the world you could do is to go on a date and have your ex follow you and confront the guy that you're out with. I guarantee you, if he does this at the beginning of a dating cycle, that man is not going to hang around. Be too much trouble to deal with. I hear a lot of women complain about men not accepting their baggage. The man you want probably won't accept your baggage, but a man will accept your baggage. That's the way it goes a lot of times. See, as men, we know if we have baggage, we already know that we're going to be at the back of the bus when it comes down to women selecting us. If we're a single dad, for instance, single women are not going to deal with a single dad that much. They may like kids, but they may not feel comfortable. A lot of single dads get discriminated against. So who does he wind up with a lot of times? Either a single mom with kids, or he'll wind up with a single woman who may not have any children and would maybe want to adopt because she can't have them. There are others that will go and not have a problem. But usually the single woman with no children, she is not going to want to deal with the situation where there's a baby mama, where there's child support, where there's custody issues. Just like men won't deal with that for the most part. But women are more discriminatory on that than men are. I looked at one stat, I think it was from 2020, from uh, the census. Only, I think, 2.6 million, something like that, men have their children. And like 40.6 million women do. 
So that shows you right there, it's a rarity for a man to have custody of his children in general. But it's something to really think about and to really look at. Honesty up front is more important than anything. If that person is not for you, if you don't see a relationship with them, tell them, don't lead them on, don't lie to them. Don't give them hope for a relationship. You could be friends, you could be acquaintances, but whatever you do, don't lead them on. Hope this helps folks. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.